Hi everyone, welcome to a podcast from Football Annual Podcast 96, nearly 100. We are available on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Check us out, listen to us, watch us, and um, get involved. Give us a like if you enjoy our podcasts, subscribe if you're new, and comment what you're thinking about all of the things talking about today. On the menu, we're definitely going to be talking about PSV2 Ajax 1 in the Dutch Cup final. What a final that was. Ericsson Haag, very likely now to be going to Manchester United. We'll be telling you the latest on that situation, but also what we think of the situation, whether Ten Hag is going to succeed at Manchester United. But also quite something big happened with the Dutch national team as well. The World Cup draw, Senegal, Ecuador, Qatar. We'll get to see what Mike and I think of that a bit later on. And a couple of other things too at the end of our podcast today. So if you want to comment along with that, whether you're live watching along with us or far later, we'll get back to you. Let us know what you think about the Cup final, Ten Hag, and the World Cup. Well, I'm joined by Mike Bell, our Football Arania founder. Mike, PSV2, Ajax1. I think a lot of the PSV players themselves, when they were celebrating final time, full-time whistle, despite being the second best team in the Netherlands this season, I don't think they expected to win. I don't think they thought, given how they've played against Ajax this season, all of the times they've lost against the top teams under Roger Schmidt, that they go on and, and actually win that cup final. That is such delight, pandemonium at the full-time whistle. Yeah, I think that obviously the season started well with them beating them 4-0 in the, yeah. Yeah. the scale. But after that, you know, Ajax beating them 5-0, um, then losing 2-1 in Eindhoven and just a week that they've had. So losing Buscagli to injury and the season over, I mean, that seemed to be catastrophic for, for PSV. Um, and then... Obviously, the loss against Leicester and on Thursday as well, where the players just looked spent in the second half. And it, yeah, and then when Schmidt named the same starting 11, I thought, oh, well, you know, you're probably thinking Ajax are going to win this one quite comfortably. Um, but yeah, the game just didn't pan out like that. I thought that, you know, PSV had a couple of chances early on before Ajax took control. Um, and then just that early spell in the second half, you know, PSV totally turned around and then. They dug in deep. I thought that they played really well defensively towards the end. Um, and, you know, they could even made it 3-1 towards the end as well. So I think that, yeah, they're shocked to win it. But I think that, you know, it was a good performance overall from them, especially in the second half. And, yeah, it's great to see them lifting the cup. And, and Jack will be in the, the match winner. You know, born bred and Eindhoven wins the cup for them against Ajax. So if that is the way that he's going to go out, at PSV this season, then he's going to go out as a as a hero, winning their first trophy in, in years and at KVB Cup. I mean, in years and being a match winner, in it. so it's a good way to to go out if that is the the way he does decide to leave in the, the summer. Yeah, I too, I'm delighted for for Hakpo. being an Eindhoven guy. You know, he's winning, he's winning the cup, he's lifting it with with Van Hinkle at full time. That was really nice. Two captains sharing it together. Um, Schmidt was so happy as well. The players just. So, so like on their knees as well, delighted the fact that they had, like you said, lost on Thursday to Leicester, a game where the fitness levels were pretty poor towards the end of the game, hence why PSV lost out to Leicester. Um, then holding out on this cup final, I, I disagree with you saying about them being defensive resolute. I actually think PSV were a little bit lucky to, to not concede a second time or more, um, especially towards the end of the game. There was no, <laughs> there was no kind of like, I guess it was now to try and like see out the game. I feel like they were just inviting pressure back from Ajax time and again. There were there were some good clearances, some good blocks and good headers, of course. Um, so that, that kind of defensive stuff was, was great. 
But when Bruma was running through on goal, he went to go and take the shot to make it 3-1. But why didn't you take it to the corner? It was making it more agonising, I'm sure, for the PSV fans. Little things like that. It would have been good to have seen PSV do against Leicester as well on Thursday to try and hold out the game a bit better. Um, but yes, they did miss chances in the game against Leicester. Sangari blasting over the bar. Again, again the same happened today. Bruma missed several good chances to make it 3-1. But PSV, you know what? They deserve it. I'm glad they got to win something this season. The quality of players they have, particularly in attack, is of a high quality and it deserved, I think, in the Netherlands, um, a reward. The Dutch Cup is a great reward for the season they've had. A shame that they won't quite have enough to win the Eredivisie. I don't think anything shocking is going to happen there now. But, great. I'm, I'm glad that this, this, the, the PSV we thought were going to come out at the start of the season have, on the whole, had a pretty good season. Lost out in the end to Ajax in terms of the league, but they got the cup, and that that's something. Yeah, I think if they had, if they didn't win the, the KMV Cup, then it would go down as a pure season when they started off with so well with the win of Ajax and the scout, being in the Champions League qualifiers and just missing out on, yeah. on getting to the group stage against Benfica, then you know everything seemed to go rather up and down you know there was times where they looked like they would really challenge for the league and then they lost crucial games and then there's times when in the real league yeah they got a tough draw but you know if you're Ajax for instance would you not top that group I think Ajax would have topped that group against Monaco and Real Sociedad whereas PSV finished third and that sort of shows the sort of balance between the two sides in, in Europe and I think that Schmidt I've not been a big fan of his. I think that there's times where I think he's been quite poor and made the wrong decisions. Um, and I'm excited to see what Van Nistelrooy can do in, in charge of the side. But I think that him going out with the, the KMBB Cup is that that is the way that he does go. You can put this down as, as a good season because they have won a domestic double and they are going to fight to the end for the the league. But I think the Ajax are too far ahead now. I can't see them dropping that many points. But it's good for the, the players that are going to go out. So the, the Gak pose, if he does leave in the summer, to leave on winning a trophy because I think he deserves it. And there's a few players in there that have deserved it. I just think that Schmidt overall hasn't been good enough this season to go the extra mile. Um, but yeah, good for PSV, good for the, the City, good that it's not just Ajax winning everything left, right and centre. Good for Dutch football. And if you look at it, you've got Ajax winning the league, but you've got Feyenoord going furthest in Europe and you've got PSV winning the cup. So maybe some people outside the Netherlands think that Dutch football is all about Ajax, but there is PSV and there is Feyenoord that are flying the flag in, in other competitions. Yeah, really nicely put there, Mike. Some extra points on PSV. Ball of 13 is just coming to life. Gertz played incredible. He, he's playing brilliantly in these big games, Gertz. And Matai says Sangari with an absolute world-class performance. I agree. And I, I do think that whilst a couple of people pointed out to me that Aston Villa are due to play Leicester very soon in the league, Premier League, I do think that they were there to watch um, Abraham Sangari. I think the Premier League teams will be looking at him, how brilliant he is in defence and midfield, and, and some will take a punt on him. He nearly went to Southampton a couple of years ago, didn't happen, and he's developed massively. I think Sangari will be one of those players, like Hapo, will be leaving for big money in the summer. Um, a comment's just coming about Ten Hag, but I'll, I'll come back to him a bit later. About about Schmidt, Mike, it was, it, was, it, was, it was fascinating. When PSV were playing Leicester in the Conference League, the build-up was talking about how Schmidt was a highly regarded manager. I don't know how many times I actually saw that phrase, highly regarded manager. 
I don't really know how highly regarded he is by PSV fans. I think overall in Europe, it seems that he's still got a good reputation given what he's done in the past. However, PSV, I think he's lost out too many of those big matches. And it could it could have gone a different way today as well. Let's 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 be honest. Had Ajax played a little bit better in that second half. Um yeah, I I don't know where, where this big credit seems to be coming from. Yeah, I think that he has a reputation from his previous jobs where he's done well in was Austria that he was before. And it seems that in Germany he's very highly regarded. It seems that every single job that comes up in, in Germany, whether it's Herford Berlin or clubs of that elk, seem to be linked with, with Schmidt. Um, and he seems to be going to Benfica next. So he's obviously got a reputation around Europe for, for doing well. Um, I don't think he's taken PSV in a direction that he would have expected. Um, I don't think they have really challenged Ajax as much as they should have, and I don't think they've done as well in Europe as they should have. So mm. I think that Schmidt overall, I don't think, goes down as a great success, but he's leaving with a trophy, and you know, maybe that will turn the opinion around on him that if he didn't win this cup, he's probably leaving with, with not much, apart from the Johan Cruyff, Cruyff scale. So mm. maybe I'll look more favourably back on him now after this win, but I can't say that Overall, he's been a success as a as a PSV coach just because of what they've done in the league and in, in Europe. But fair play to him if he's still got that reputation. Maybe we'll go into Benfica and do do well there. But I don't think that he is getting the right sort of press if people are still saying he's highly regarded after what he's done with PSV. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to Ajax then and their manager in particular, Ericsson Haag. And he is definitely highly regarded amongst the English media, but also the Dutch media. He's He's been has a brilliant time with Ajax. Everyone knows that. People know what he's done with that club, even though he's had a bit of money to spend along the way. However, will he go on to succeed at Manchester United? The, the latest rumours are that he will become the manager of the club. I think there's no getting away from that now. He continues to avoid the questions um, from Dutch media about it. He's booted out English media from coming into his press conferences because he doesn't want to talk to them. And um, there are some questions sort of coming up about him now. Here's one from Rob today. Just a small example. So Berghaus was deadly. Every Ajax attack died at his feet. I think Rob's got the wrong meaning of deadly there. <laughs> I think it means that he perhaps wasn't so deadly. But how did Ten Hag not sub Berghaus off earlier? Because could, could he have done things a bit sooner? Has And, and his my time jumping in, Ten Hag's institutions were questionable at best. Is he losing his mojo? I think this is something that's always been with it, Ten Hag is he's not always been the best at rotation um, and sometimes his questionable substitutions at times have caused, caused Ajax but you can say that about Schmidt, you can say about any coach that ends up losing you know, why didn't he do this earlier, why didn't he do that earlier um, you know, Berkhaus has had a dip in form, I think that he started the season really well with, with Ajax but recently I don't think he's been as strong as he, he usually is um, but then who does, I don't think really Ten Hag has the, the options. You know, he doesn't have David Neres on the bench anymore. Um, I think it's telling that Durami wasn't even brought on and he was the big January sign-in that they brought in. He doesn't seem to be ready yet for, for the first team. And then I don't think Ajax particularly looked great when, when Haller came on and went two up top. So, yeah, Berghaus wasn't great, but, you know, Sometimes a player can play rubbish for 85 minutes and come up with a one moment that 
the equalizers. So, yeah, I think Ten Hag gave him the chance to do something that didn't happen. And even when he substituted him off, that didn't exactly work out either. So, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So, I think today, I think it goes down as being an unlucky one for, for Ajax and they didn't take their chances, really. No. It's, it was a good article on BBC from Marcel van der Kran, who's actually a Dutch journalist, about Ten Hag this week saying how great he would actually be at Man United. He's got he's got this he's stern enough to handle players, agree. He's actually very good with handling the Ajax players who are actually quite big personalities. He's got this te- tactical um uh people know him for, for his the way he plays, the way he gets he gets Ajax to play. Obviously worked with Guardiola in the past, that's important as well. He's got all these things going for him. And also fascinating to find out that he hasn't really got um financial interest in the game he doesn't have to make this move to Man United he's just doing it because he wants to challenge himself that was also interesting do you think Ten Hag I don't want to necessarily talk about Man United as a whole as a club because that's not our expertise we're not we don't know anything ins and outs of Man United but putting Ten Hag in there he's got a lot to do and just as a small example of what I mean did he handle the Ryan Havenberg situation well enough um, given his dip in form this season and his move potentially to buy Munich, Den Haag, can you be persuaded into um, Hamburg to stay at the club? Um, has he played better since he's come back into the side? What do you think? Because, of course, he's going to have to translate that to all of those players at Man United that aren't playing at their best. I think he did handle it OK, I think. I mean, William Van Hal taking taken credit for, for Gravenberg, you know, <laughs> playing a bit better since coming back into the Ajax side because obviously I had a call saying he got dropped from the Netherlands but mm. yeah I mean it's difficult because there's agents that play here so I mean yeah. Ten Hag can yeah. say whatever he wants to, to Gravenberg but he's got Mino Rayo and his ear saying oh Bayern Munich want you um, you should go there so I mean could Ten Hag have done better there? possibly but he's done it in the past you know Dusan Tadic is still at the club I mean the there's a point where he was meant to be going to Barcelona and he convinced him to stay and then sign that really long contract. And there is players that they have managed to, to turn around, say players like Alvarez, and who was heading out at one point and, and Ten Hag's worked him around into a, a great midfielder. So I think that in isolated moments, yeah, there's moments where he could have been done things a bit better or there's times where he could have done things differently. But that's the same way any club um, or any players. So... I think that Ten Hag definitely has the ability to handle Manchester United and I think he can go there and do a great job. It's just whether he gets the time and the resources yeah. to do that and whether the players that are there are... I thought, uh, I'm trying to find the right word, but you know, is he going to be able to get the best out of Paul Pogba and like of Ronaldo or are they going to try and take over the dressing room like they have done for previous managers? Because you know, Ten Hag... I think he's great, and I think that he can be there and do a great job. But other managers have went there and not been able to do that. Yeah, Manchester United is right now a very difficult club to manage because of the past success that they had. And can anyone do what Sir Alex Ferguson's done them? And he's still looming over the club in a large way. So it's difficult for Ten Hag. But all I can say now is I think he can do the job. We'll see from the summer if he does decide to to go and it gets confirmed because it's a club where the fans are expecting to challenge at the top 
and they have spent loads of money, but it just hasn't worked. And there's players there that need to get shipped out. It's a big revolution. He's there. Will Ten Hag get given two, three, four years to, to turn it around? We'll see where he get resources to do that because, as Van Hal says, it's a commercial club. It's not really a football club. So he's not exactly going to get hundreds of millions to, to buy whoever he wants. So it's a tough, tough position for him. But I hope he does well. Um, I think we all know that there's a lack of Dutch coaches out there that have success outside of the Netherlands. So seeing somebody like Ten Hag going to Manchester United and doing very well is something I want to see. And it'll be great for the country and great for the coaches coming through to see somebody doing well at one of the biggest clubs in the world. But he's got one hell of a job on his hands. And good luck to him. Yeah, he has a massive job on his hands, doesn't he? But he's got the potential and he's somebody who, who could become a Guardiola or a Klopp with the, with the way he is, the way he's always keen to learn. Uh, but will he become that? Will he be, have a time? Comments come in. Thank you, everyone, by the way, if he's watching live and commenting live. And if you're not, do, do comment in the comment section below. It'd be fascinating to hear your thoughts about Ten Hag. Ten Hag about United will be managing expectations, getting time. Uh, this this guy thinks he can do really well, but as long as Klopp and Guardiola there, you won't win the Premier League. Maybe the cup competitions will be important for Ten Hag to begin with. Also, Conte and Tuchel are great managers who already had a have a head start. We'll see how it goes, but it will take time and a big overhaul. Yeah, something you just touched upon there, Mike, was he changed he changes positions of players and gets the best out of them. Just as an example, could Fernandez play? deeper in midfield like what he did that with Ziyech or perhaps on the right wing I'm not an expert about United's players but when you've seen him do it with Ajax's players he's put players in different positions such as Burkhouse another one put him as a 10 and that has worked for him on a lot of occasions this season perhaps with Frankie de Jong at centre-back we were trying to get that one <laughs> he does like to tinker around with things only he does he doesn't always stick with the same 11 that is for sure yeah, I think that he will go there, he'll analyse the squad and you'll see what players can do in what positions and he will tinker with some things and I think he'll have some positions in mind that he wants to strengthen. I'm sure there'll be some Ajax players that you'll have on his his radar. I mean, Timber's already been linked to Anthony, players like this. I think he gets the best out of some some young talents and, you know, United Academy has, has a lot of young talents coming through and there's players that even Ten Hag knows as well because he's got Donny van der Beek there. So, I mean, he'll be very, very pleased that Ten Hag's coming in. So, I think that until Ten Hag gets there in the summer, sees what he's got in front of him and then starts to do his job, he won't really know what the task is at hand. Um, I think that everybody knows that the amount of managers that have been there without being able to get success, including, you know, like Sir Louis van Gaal, um, it's going to be tough for him. But I really, really hope he does well. I mean. I'm saying that as a, as a Newcastle fan and you're an Aston Villa fan and, you know, we probably don't want to see my United doing well, but as fans of Dutch football, I want to see Ten Hag succeed and I want to see him turn, turn Manchester United around and get the credit that he deserves because I'm sick and tired of watching um, English football programmes and, and commentary and reading articles and I'm constantly saying, oh, but Ten Hag's not done it at a big club yet. He's not done it in a big league yet and all this nonsense and it's just... I hope he really goes there and proves everyone wrong and, and turns it around and we see a different side to Ten Hag that we see at Ajax. I hope we see a, a more passionate, um, more like a Klopp. You know, he, he gets 
some media attention for being a big personality because I don't really see that with him at Ajax. I see him as being quite reserved, strict. I think he is. Um, he's quite shy. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really say much and you see that when he's getting asked by my night, he shuts it down and he, he stays quite quite quiet. But, you know, if he goes to England, becomes a big personality, turns around to my United and then becomes put up there with the managers that Matthijs just mentioned there, the Contes, Tuchel's, Klopp's and Guardiola's, you know, I'd like to see Ten Hag get into that category because um, he deserves it. So all I can say is we'll see what happens in the summer. It's a shame that he's leaving Ajax, but I think it's, it's good for the Eredivisie to see fresh faces come in and, you know, there's going to be change at the top two next season. It's going to be intriguing to see what happens in, in the league. Indeed it is. And we haven't talked about Feyenoord yet. Obviously, we'll talk about them at the very end of this podcast, but also again in future with them getting to the semi-finals of the Europa Conference League. That's massive. But yeah, well said about Ten Hag, Mike. We didn't talk about the World Cup draw that happened. Um, there, there is a draw and it is going to be in November. We are seven months away right now. The Netherlands have been drawn with Senegal, Qatar and Ecuador. What are your thoughts, Mike? I mean, on paper, you can really ask for... No. Much better. I mean, I think... In, apart from Senegal, I think Senegal are the one that you could be been... Oh, I mean, that was probably the toughest team you could get from that pot. Um, so, but getting Qatar would be, I think the dream draw for for Netherlands because you know it, it happens at times where you get the host nation going far and you saw it in South Korea and Japan where South Korea went on a run but this sure guitar side this guitar side aren't South Korea um yeah they are improving and there's there's players that went over to help guitar football but you know that's a game everyone should be be winning but I think that you look at it it's a very, very kind draw. I think that Netherlands should be beating the Ecuador and then beating Qatar. And then it's, it comes down to what happens with that Senegal game. I think that starting the competition off against Senegal is dangerous. Um, you have the players that can hurt Netherlands, but I think that if you offered that to Van Hal beforehand, he would have snapped your hands off and every Netherlands fan would have taken that definitely. And I think that three ties that Netherlands on paper should win. And... I'm excited to see the the games. And I think they're three very different teams and three exciting games that are to come up. And yeah, I think that for Netherlands fans, it's it's a great draw and one that has us thinking that we should be in the in the round for for going far in the competition. I think that Van Hal hasn't prepared for those three games, and if they can win that opening game against Senegal, then they can start really planning for the knockout stages. I'm not putting down Ecuador. I think that. The fact that they're even there um, ahead of some of the, the teams that they've knocked out in South America is, is shows that they have dangerous players and they have some young talents coming through that can probably hurt Netherlands. But yeah, I think that on paper it should be three wins from Netherlands from all game, those games and then you can start to plan going ahead there. I'm not going to get too far away and say that Netherlands should be going to the, the quarterfinals and semifinals. But yeah, it's a, it's a kind draw, shall we say. Yeah, finishing top of that group may well be important, thinking about the round after. A draw is not also the worst thing to have in that first game against Senegal, the, definitely the second best team in that group. It's got to be three wins though, really, looking at, at the moment, but a lot can change to now in the start of the competition, that goes for Netherlands, but also the other three teams. Um, and, and there are still things for Van Gaal to do. It's really good though, he has actually got these fixtures in June, that this is a 
good international break for him to try and figure things out. Just from your perspective right now, Mike, what are the things that you would like to see Van Gaal experiment with? I think he needs to get the centre-back pairing right. I know that during recent games that, you know, Timber was out and De Vrij was out. We saw Buen there. But I think that going into that first game against Senegal, it needs to be perfect because you can't have a weak link there. You can't have somebody that Sadio Mane can, can pinpoint and take on mm. and get past, such as the Daily Blint. Um, with his pace, might be a bit tricky. Um, and, you know, it's difficult mm. because I think the midfield three needs to get right. I think that we saw Coop Miners in there mm. and we saw Frankie de Jong. And I'd like to see him vary up in June. I think that Joey Veerman's done enough with, with PSV now to even get on the bench and let's see what he can do. And up front, you know, I'd like to see Dan Juma, but you can't argue that, you know, Bergvine came in those games and recently and absolutely smashed it. So you can't even say that Bergvine can be dropped now. I think that he, he experimented by starting with Malin and it didn't work. And then it only worked when, when Bergvine came on. So I'd like to see more of Dan Juma. Um, and... I think that's really it for me. I think the, the goalkeeper situation, I think Flekin's a good choice until Bio comes back. Right. I think right. centre-back, you've got Van Dijk, you've got Delict, and then I don't see Timber there. Um, the win-back situation, I think Malassia did well. And I'd like to see him start over, over Blind, for example, if it does go to who starts there. And then at right-back, you've got Dumfries there. Maybe you could try something a bit different. You know, Dumfries didn't exactly have the best two games, but if you're starting week in, week out for Interman and doing well there, um, it's hard to argue really against that. And then in midfield, good minus Frankie De Jong, just work with that, that partnership, see how it can flourish, because I think that is a winning partnership. Mm. And then it's just who the plays in that attacking midfield role. If Berghaus doesn't find his form, who does he go with? Does he go with a class and Vinaldum? Does he bring Joey Beerman in? It's intriguing to see what happens happens there. Does he do something crazy like put Memphis there? If Memphis doesn't start scoring the goals again. Does he try Memphis in the ten, and then go for say Bergvine and, and Dan Jim out front? Who knows? It's up to Van how to decide. But I think that with the games that the Netherlands are playing in the World Cup, say for instance in Qatar, you might need to also experiment sometimes with four three three as well. Um, and change it up midway through games to see how that works as well. But I think the games in, in June are important and he really needs to get it right because as soon as Netherlands touch down in Qatar, they've got the most important game straight away. So there isn't time to, to really tinker with that. He needs to know exactly what he's going to do ahead of that game and the, the games in June are going to be vastly important. But hopefully he has the defence right back, uh, defensive Options back then, so DeVry and Timber. And you can go into that game, experiment with Timber in there. Bring in Veerman mm. and then see what he can do with the attack. But I think that Bergvine, even though he's not playing for Tottenham, and I think it's, it's a really shame what happened to him there because he, he's not getting the game time that he should be getting. But, but you can see his potential, can't you? Because he did so well with the Netherlands. Yeah. I mean, if he's playing like that, I, I can't understand why he doesn't get more game time for... Yeah. for Tottenham especially when they absolutely stunk it up against Brighton and he only comes on in the 88th minute so it's frustrating for him but you'll get a move in the summer and then we'll see what he does from there so 
I think that everything right now is, is looking good for Netherlands. I think that they did well against Denmark. I think that was their, a good performance. So so against Germany, I think there's that game and there's a lot of stuff to work on from there. But I think Van Hal has his homework to to do between now and June and I'm excited to see Netherlands play. You know, it's it's not like it was under De Boer and Pat before came in where it's it's you're wondering what's gonna happen, they're gonna go into lose games. You know, it's exciting being a Netherlands fan at the moment and I'm just excited to see what happens for the rest of the year because I think that Qatar is very exciting from the draw. It's piqued interest, and I think it's with what everything that's happened with Van Hal as well. I think it everything just seems to be going in the right direction. Let's say, and I think that the players will really, really be up for it, knowing now that Van Hal is obviously going through what he's going through. Um, I think that will g the players on, and I think they'll be even more up for the competition, and it's it's exciting um, mm. for everyone's fans. The World Cup is obviously the biggest thing that you can build up to as a footballer, but it's good also knowing that Koeman's coming in afterwards, that he's there to continue what Koeman started, Van Hal has continued, and now Koeman can also can bring that back up again. Um, there's there's a great core of players there. It'd be great if Memphis could pick up his performances and get some more game time at, um, what, at club level. Um but there's, there's all, there are a few, a few things that he needs to decide in the Nations League games. You are right, 4-3-3 three, three will be good to see against teams that they're going to have lots of the ball against, particularly against Ecuador and Qatar. They've got to beat those teams that are 4-3-3. Three, three. I think it's therefore important. You can't pay for five at the back and play that in each of your group games. It's, yeah, I don't think it's something that's going to work. But as a little warm-up to the World Cup coming in, in, in the autumn slash winter, there is the Euros coming before that. And in, in June slash July, it is the women's Euro competition where the Netherlands will be hoping to try and retain what they they um, they got four years ago. And um, they will be playing in England for the tournament this summer. What do you think of the Netherlands women's chances, Mike? I think they've got a good chance. I think that they have some of the best players in the world in great form. Mia Diem out front is, is banging in the goals. They're playing centre for the national team and doing well at Arsenal as well. So I think they go into that tournament confident of doing well. Um, it's going to be difficult because there's other nations that are there that are also in ascendancy. And I think England themselves have a very good chance that they have the ex-Netherlands manager there as well. So they seem to be winning comfortably all their games as well. So I think it's going to be a tough challenge to retain it. But... In terms of the Netherlands side, I think they have so many good players and they have other ones coming through as well that recently just got their debuts um, and the two wins that they had recently. So, yeah, it's again, it's an exciting tournament for Netherlands fans because they go into that as one of the favourites and hopefully they can live up to that because they definitely have the players to, to win the tournament. Yeah, they've got some very talented players, some of the best in the world. Uh, and a final congratulations to Feyenoord, who made it to the Europa Conference League semi-finals. They'll play against Marseille in the semis after they got past Slavia Prague. It's sad that PSV got knocked out, but I had a feeling that one will get through. And it was more likely to be Feyenoord because of the run that they had to this point in the competition. But I, I, I really fancy them take it one step further. But they have to win that home game, don't they, against Marseille, um, which they have for, in the first leg in Decaux because Marseille are with their second in, in France. It's that's a that's a tough that's a tough team to try and get past. And then the cup final, well, anything can happen. They're third in the Eredivisie, but they have some 
excellent players who I think will be under Arna slot challenging for the Eredivisie, the title itself next season. But whilst they dropped some points in the league, they do have great potential. And as a first starting eleven, they have probably... Uh, is it stronger than PSV? It's difficult to say. But starting 11-wise, it's it's very, very strong. It's just there. If they have a couple of injuries, then they are going to be scuppered come the semi-final, come the final. Um, yeah, what do you think of their chances? I think it, in the last four of Europe, I think it's it's a tough tie. But I think it's it's one that, as you say, they'll have to win the home leg. And that's going to be some wonderful atmosphere um, in the cup. And the players have to be up for it. And I think that... The, the main problem for Feyenoord is the goalkeeper situation because losing Bio, oh, yeah. <laughs> Marciano coming in and dropping clangers in the first leg against Salio Pard, they can't have that um, against Marseille because they'll get punished. And I think it's a tough tie for them. But if they can play to their potential, then I don't see why they can't get through. And if they get to that final against either Leicester or Roma, then, then who knows what could happen. It could be a famous competition win for Feyenoord. And it's great for Dutch football that they're there, the coefficient. It's been That's going up and up. And, well, it's, it's amazing this season, and you know Portugal. All our teams are all now out, so it's all just three points for Netherlands to get ahead of them. So it's all going up for Feyenoord. I think it's. I, I said on Thursday night that they need to build on this. It's it's a point where this season they've they've turned things around. I think Arneson being in charge of. The technical area that's that's worked really well, and then having slot as a manager, it's just everything's in place, and they now have the players that they didn't have before that they can now sell for 20 30 million to bring in that cash to then strengthen other areas. I think the likes of Kotchu is having the best season of his career so far, and he could go for big money in the summer. Then you've got players like Sinese, Bailo, and then their key man up, up front in Sinistera, who's having an absolute incredible season. I think that top clubs in Europe should really, really be circling him because I think he's such yeah. a big talent. And then I think Slot's just got the best out of certain players. You know, like, like Dessers, who went to, to Belgium, didn't have a good time there. It's been a, a decent striker in the Eredivisie for clubs such as Utrecht and likes of that. But in the past, and he's come to Feyenoord, he's kind of been in and out of the side. He's not scored many goals in Eredivisie. But then in the Conference League, he's just been on fire. You know, it goes in that competition and but only five starts. He's been excellent for them. And so it's just being able to get the best out of all these players. So I wouldn't write them off against Marseille. I think it's going to be a, a very, very tough challenge. They have so many good players at their disposal. But yeah, it's going to be two great ties for, for Feyenoord. And let's hope that they can get to the final because that'd be, be huge. Yeah, we'd really enjoy that. Of course, Football Annie will be covering the game um, beforehand. So do stay tuned for that. With the final four in the Conference League, I found that they were actually on par with the four, final four in the Europa League. And you look at the strength of the teams that are in there. And Rob says, good to see Van Bronckhorst doing well in the Europa League. Of course, Rangers in the semi-final of that competition, they might go one step further as well. But yeah, great. The four final manager also getting to enjoy the semi-finals of a European competition. I want to bring up Malassia, Mike, because we've talked about Dutch national team. We're talking about Feyenoord. Malassia in that Slavic Prague game, the second leg, for me, had probably one of the worst performances I've seen him have this season. No, no good on the ball at all. Is that worrying with his Netherlands form? A stake, or is it? Do you think it's just a one-off, and Malassia will come back stronger? It's it's got to be a one-off. I mean, every player can have a, a bad game when they come up against a opponent that just has the better of them on one night. Um, I think if 
we'll need to see him go up against somebody like Marseille, who have such yeah. attackers, um, like Tovan and Paye. Who? How does he deal with players of that elk? Because um, if he has a poor game against Marseille, then you know Fire Nord are going to get beat because they're going to get in behind him. So if he's going to be in everyone's number one left back, he needs to, to prove himself in games like this. And this is probably one of the biggest challenges he's had in his career so far. So if he can go up against Marseille, perform well, then that's another sign to, to Van Hal that he's ready to be that start in everyone's left back because he has competition. He has the likes of Blind, who obviously is a favourite amongst Van Hal. And then he has Vindal, who's at AZ, and he's ready to, to possibly move on to, to bigger club in the summer. Who knows? And he's got even younger left backs coming through, like like Meyer at Cronion. So he's going to Club Rouge in the summer. So if he brings up some form there, he can challenge. So I think Malasia has all the, the talent to be Neverland's number one right left back. I think his performances this season overall have been strong. And now he just needs to prove it in the big games. And this is the biggest stage where he's been in his career. So I think he, I, I think he's, he's good enough to be Neverland's left back. And I think he can challenge. Marseille and be good enough there. I think him and Sinistera as a partnership are, are strong, so we'll see what he does. And I think he, if he does play well in those two games, then he would prove that any doubt was wrong. And then, again, he's an hour player that other clubs around Europe will be taking a closer look at. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got great potential and young players don't always play brilliantly. He's going to have little dips on his way up against Marseille. It's his chance to, to really shine. Well, I hope that everyone that listened to this has enjoyed it, or unless you watched on YouTube. Do give us a, a like if, if you've enjoyed this podcast and subscribe if you are new to football, Dan. You don't know what we do, Dutch football and English language. There was something for everyone in this podcast, whether you were celebrating PS3's Dutch Cup win, worried as an Ajax supporter at Ten Hag was going, a Manchester United supporter perhaps has listened in to hear a bit more about Ten Hag. You might have been a Dutch national team fan about the World Cup, the touch upon the women's game, final in Europe. There's something for everyone on this Dutch football podcast. Do comment below. What did you think of the podcast? What what did you enjoy us talking about? And do you have any thoughts on the Netherlands' World Cup draw? Any thoughts in Ten Hag? And are you a PSV fan? And are you celebrating this evening? Do let us know. That's enough anyway from from myself and and Mike this time on our Football Daily podcast. More from us soon. Stay tuned on the website and all our other platforms. Bye for now.